Thanks for tuning in to Redeeming Grace Bible Church. Here at Redeeming Grace Bible Church, it's our full conviction, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We pray as a result of this sermon, you come to see and know Christ more clearly, and if you do not yet know Christ, that you might also come to see him as Lord and Savior. And when the time came for the, their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people it and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And the Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was, from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and praying, prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Thank you, Tom. Know that though the years come and go, and though the, the grass withers and the flower fades, that the word of our God remains forever. And let's ask his help now as we look at his word together. Father, we come to you and uh, just praise you. 
that, uh, Lord, you have given to us your very word. And, Lord, we give you thanks as well that Jesus, as he promised his disciples before his departure, that he would not leave us as orphans, but would send the comforter, Lord, the teacher, who would instruct us in all that he has said. And so we give you thanks for the promise of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that our hearts and minds would submit uh, to his teaching this morning, Lord, not simply to uh, my words, but that we would all submit ourselves to your word. And what I say would be uh, in accordance to your truth and that you would, Lord, help us to be as Simeon, this faithfully uh, waiting by faith, trusting in your promises, trusting that your word is true and it will come to pass and that we may rejoice Um, at Christ our Savior, Lord, the redemption of our souls, the redemption of the new Jerusalem, Lord, and uh, I pray that you would uh, just be honored in our time this morning now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So we come to our final uh, sermon in our Advent series where we went through the four songs Um, In Luke's gospel around the birth of Christ, we looked at the song of Mary as she praised God for his faithfulness and kindness upon her as she was chosen to bring forth the Messiah. We saw the song of Zacharias as he praised God for the son that was given to him. And he looked back and realized that God had fulfilled his promise to David. He had fulfilled his promise to Abraham. And we saw the angel's announcement as Christ is born and they declare this good news uh, to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem and proclaim the glory of God that his grace has come to rest upon mankind. And so this morning we look then at this song of Simeon who was in the temple as Jesus as a young boy is brought in um, to fulfill the customs of the law. Uh, according to what God had given Moses. We see that Simon, and also we won't have much time to look at uh, Anna, but she very much the same, rejoices to see the fulfillment of God's promise and sees in Christ the consolation of Israel and the falling and rising of many, Simeon says. And this is a great passage for us to consider even as it is uh, the beginning of a new year and maybe you've taken some time uh, over the past weekend possibly to think about any hopes you have for the new year what are things that you anticipate maybe even um, beyond this year what are things that before you die you would like to do or experience Uh, people talk about their bucket list and things you know they want to do before they Kick the bucket, I guess, is where the (laughs) phrase comes from that uh, show. But I don't know if we've given that a lot of thought. Uh, It certainly is something that is interesting as we look at my desires for the year. It reflects something of my priorities, um, where my heart is at. And this morning we look at this elderly man and his desire, the, 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 the big item on his bucket list, if you will, is that he beholds the salvation of God. And actually we're told that God had somehow, by the Holy Spirit, given him confirmation that he would actually behold the Messiah before he died. God had given him this unique revelation that he would look upon the Lord's anointed. 
And so though the coming of Christ was certainly in humility and in great obscurity, the, the, the masses by and large missed the coming of Christ. But we, we see that the, the coming of Jesus was certainly not without witnesses. It was certainly not without those who saw Jesus for who he truly is and praised God for what he has done and, and worshipped Christ the Messiah. And we saw that with Mary and Zechariah. We've seen it with the angels and the shepherds. And we didn't look specifically at the wise men, but certainly they had eyes to see. And here is this elderly man and an elderly woman who their great desire was to behold the Messiah of God. And Simeon rejoices as Mary and Joseph and this little baby come into the temple and immediately he recognizes this is the answer to his prayer. This is, in fact, the consolation of Israel. So who is this man, Simeon? We really, we don't have a lot of information about him. We're just told that uh, God had given him this promise that he would behold Christ Uh, In verse 25, we're just told he was in Jerusalem. So I think it's safe to assume this is obviously a Jewish man. uh, and, And he, understanding the promises of God in the old covenant of the Messiah to come, was eagerly waiting. We're also told that Simeon was righteous and devout. And we see that that this is a man of faith. Uh, He trusted in and believed the promises of God and his faith was a living active faith. We've been looking at that in James, that a living active faith produces righteousness, devotion, steadfastness to God. Uh, and, and we certainly see that in the life of Simeon. This is not some random drunk off the street holding a cardboard sign who everyone has you know, kind of written off as crazy. But this is a man who is righteous. He loves the Lord. He loves the word. He is walking in obedience to what God has given him. And he is a man of faith. He's trusting in the promise of God's Messiah, though for his life, the majority of it, it is a looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Uh, and this is a fascinating thing about the man Simeon and those in this time. He, he, actually, he actually stands at the, the very point in which men no longer and women no longer look forward to the coming of the Messiah, but he looks directly at the Messiah and beholds the fulfillment of God's promise. And for us on, on this side of the cross, after Christ has died and raised, been raised and gone to the, the back to the Father, we are, have this sense of looking back to what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Simeon, for the most of his life, was looking forward along with the Old Testament saints that by faith believed the word of God, trusting that in the fullness of time, the Messiah would in fact come. And here's Simeon, that this this long season of waiting comes to an end and Christ arrives and he is able to behold the Messiah and praise God for the fulfillment of his promise. He is a man of faith and his faith enabled him to walk righteously as the Spirit of God affirmed in him the promise of God. And we see even, uh, it's going to flip quickly to First Peter. 
as we think about this reality of waiting and yet not seeing, because this actually for the majority of humanity is our experience. Very few actually had the privilege of looking upon Christ in flesh and blood and seeing the fulfillment as Simeon had seen it or others who lived uh, during the time of Jesus. 1 Peter 1. And listen to what Peter says, um, even as he writes to the early church. 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And what an incredible passage. I'm so grateful that Peter wrote that down. That's a good one to kind of keep in your mind. First Peter 1 and uh, starting at verse 8, this this reality of God's grace that for many years they, they, they had this anticipation. Peter described it as searching and inquiring carefully what person or time the Spirit of Christ was moving them to understand the sufferings of Jesus and the subsequent glories. And, and, and we saw last week as well and throughout these songs uh, the, the triune work of this salvation. We see it here again as well, don't we? Where the Spirit of God has moved this man, Simeon, to trust in the promises of the Father, the promises of the covenants made to Abraham and to David, and then he, by the Spirit's enabling, recognizes Christ as the Messiah. You see all three persons of the Trinity at work in these moments. And it's incredible to see even Peter saying that the way the prophets, the way that men like Simeon and uh, Moses, the, they, the way that they trusted in the, the promised salvation to come was by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter calls the Spirit the Spirit of Christ. And so we see that, that all throughout history, um, even in the Old Testament, salvation has been a work of grace by the Spirit of God, whereby the Spirit awakens dead men's and women's hearts to believe the Word, to trust it, and by the Spirit, there's this growing anticipation and trust in the Word of God. That is exactly what is being described here for Simeon. That has always been how salvation has happened, and that is how salvation happens today. It is a work of the triune God in the hearts of men and women as they hear the word, and by the Spirit we believe it, and we trust it, and we cling to it, and there is put within us this sense of anticipation and hope. And what is it that Simeon is Longing to see, well, we're told that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. And this is a, 
such an interesting picture. Actually, the, the word consolation comes from the, the same Greek word that Jesus would use to describe the Spirit of God, the paraclete, the comforter. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel, the restoration of Israel, the healing of Israel. And, and he sees in Christ the fulfillment of this very promise. Jesus actually, when he spoke to Thomas, you remember Thomas was told that Jesus had been raised from the dead and yet he had not personally seen Christ raised from the dead in, in, in the flesh. And so he was doubting and forever has been called Doubting Thomas because of his uh, doubt that he expressed. And Jesus mercifully reveals himself to Thomas and famously tells him to put his hand where the nails pierced uh, his hands, to put his hand where his side was pierced. And yet Jesus told him and said in John 20, 28, there blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that really is the experience of most of, of Christianity, isn't it? There, there's this believing, though we have not seen Christ in the flesh. And Jesus said, blessed are you. If you have trusted in him, though having not yet seen him. And so we mustn't lose hope. We mustn't become uh, discouraged or distracted simply because we can't see all the physical, uh, physical evidence that maybe Simeon even saw. Or those early believers that walked with Christ. Blessed are you who believe yet you have not seen. And this idea of the consolation of Israel, um, we see that, yes, there was misconceptions among the Jews as to what the salvation of Israel would really mean, um, and yet by the Spirit, Simeon seemed to understand that it was not the, the, the Messiah, uh, the salvation that he would bring, the work that he would do, was not going to meet the expectation of the modern Jew. Uh, and, and we'll see that in a moment as he speaks to Mary of suffering and of sorrow and of a sword. But nonetheless, he is the Messiah. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he actually quotes from Isaiah 61. And uh, we have this recorded in, later on in Luke 4, uh, 16, Jesus comes to Nazareth, and uh, this is where he'd been brought up, Luke says. As was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is primarily the fulfillment of what it means for Christ to be the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. It is first a spiritual healing, restoration, comforting, a giving of sight to the blind, a delivering of those who are oppressed and in bondage to sin. And this is the work of the Messiah in his first advent. Not a political reformation, but a spiritual reformation. A transformation not of, of 
political policies, but of men and women's hearts by the power of the Spirit. And Jesus would, of course, offer up himself as the propitiation for our sins, the the payment that was due God because of our guilt. Did Simeon understand the fullness of Christ's work? Probably not in full, um, even as Peter describes there, that there is this sense of of mystery as they anticipate Christ and they try to understand the, the sufferings and the subsequent glories. But God had certainly given him uh, enough understanding to recognize this humble child in the arms of this poor and seemingly insignificant couple that this is the Lord's salvation. And of course, as uh, he said in verse 26 there of Luke 2, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And I know sometimes we, we talk of Jesus Christ as though Christ being his last name or something. Um, And it simply means Messiah, as I know many of you know. This is the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's Deliverer. He is understanding um, that Jesus is the one whom all the prophets point, whom David um, trusted would come, who Isaiah was looking forward to. This child is the one. And I know people will look at a text like this as well, and this unique word that was given to Simeon, and people may want to conclude from that, well, God must therefore speak to me in the same unique way that he gave this special revelation to Simeon, that he would see the Lord's Christ. And maybe people want to say things like, well, you know, God is telling me that 2023 is going to be the year that I prosper, or God is telling me that 2023 is going to be the year of great salvation and great awakening. And people are always wanting to claim these these special words from God, they may say. And we certainly see at times God has spoken in such a way to men and women, revealed something unique to them. But if you think of all the billions and billions of people who have lived, how many has God spoken to in this very unique way? Well, actually, as far as we know, only Simeon um, had this unique revelation from the Spirit that he would behold Christ before he died. And so, yes, God can speak in these unique ways at times, but it is certainly not the normal way in which God reveals his will to his people. Normally, God uses his word by the Spirit. And so there's a danger, I think, in people looking at a passage like this, concluding that they need some kind of unique revelation from God, some kind of insight into the future, and they spend a lot of time looking for that and wondering about that and even fabricating those sorts of revelations in their own mind and emotions because it seems like that is the spiritual thing to do. Uh, I would say that better for us, even like Simeon, to give ourselves to the revealed will of God. He was righteous and devout. Let us pursue the things God has clearly revealed to us in his word, trusting that it is sufficient, even as we were reminded in our time of confession, he has given to us, his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So I actually don't need some additional revelation to fulfill my calling as a Christian. Uh, The revelation which God has given is sufficient And so if God ever wants to speak in an unusual, unique way, certainly he can do that. But he does not need our permission or initiative 
to do that. And I just say that as an encouragement to give yourself to the special revelation of his word, trusting its sufficiency. And of course, God is sovereign if he wants to work in these very unique ways as he did in the life of Simeon. But Simeon serves as a signpost, doesn't he? he? He calls us to also behold the Messiah, to see also the fulfillment of God's promise that Christ is the one who was promised to come. Um, <clears throat> I'm guessing many of you have seen the, uh, the old movie, The Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm sure that Gerben would lend you a copy of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, a musical movie, obviously, but I remember watching it for the first time, and it's about a Jewish family. And, you know, it's, it's entertaining and very well done. And, and uh, the, you know, the, the daughters are looking for a spouse. And it's actually been quite a few years since I've watched it. So the, the plot line, it kind of escapes me a little bit. But I remember this one scene, this Jewish family, they're being deported from their, their homes. They're being kicked out of the, the town in which they're in. And there's a scene in the, the movie where they're all standing together, kind of on the edge of town. They're getting ready to go. And one of them makes the comment um, to the rabbi and he asks the question, isn't this a good time for Messiah to come? And as you think about the people of Israel, and that was is one of those moments where you just kind of want to yell at the TV, like he did come. God, God sent his Messiah. You just, you, you don't see him for who he is. Uh, and sadly, as we think about the state of Israel, um, Simeon was very much the minority here who realized who Christ truly is. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the greater King David. He is the, the, the one who would be the fulfillment of, of Abraham's promise. But in fact, many who are ethnically Jewish still wait for their Messiah. You see, they have missed him altogether and have given themselves largely over to uh, blasphemy, to, to ignore what God has done and to continue on in their religious activity. This is exactly what Luke described in John 1, that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Simeon realizes that Jesus, as he said in, in his song, um, that this is the Lord's salvation, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. He is the Messiah of the Jews, but he is also given as a light to the Gentiles. And, and, and um, Paul would, would even go on to use the analogy of the, the great olive tree and the, the branches that are natural to the tree, being Israel, were initially growing in this tree and nourished by it. But because of their unbelief, 
Paul says they're actually severed from the tree so that the Gentile branch might be grafted in and that we might partake of the promises of God brought into the covenant uh, promises of Abraham and, and David that we would be blessed through this Messiah, a light not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And the only way that Israel will finally be saved is as they repent of their sin and they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is no other salvation for the Gentiles. There is no other salvation for Israel. It is either they come to the Father through the Son or they do not come at all. And, uh, and sadly, there's a lot of people that, that seem to think today Israel is going to get some kind of, you know, pass on believing upon Christ as though they can kind of just go around the Messiah and and because of the history that they have, they will somehow be given a free card into heaven. But no, that is not what the scriptures reveal. That is not what Paul taught. It's not what Jesus taught, that they must repent. They must believe upon Christ. He is the one whom God had promised to Israel and he is the only hope of the nation's. In fact, Paul quoted in Romans 9, 25 from Hosea. He said, as, and indeed, in, as he said in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will, there they will be called sons of the living God. And so... Without turning to uh, Romans 9 and 10, uh, there is a, a reminder for us as well to pray for Israel, ethnic Israel, um, that they would repent and believe the gospel. And even for the work of missions to go to Israel, they're, they're not exempt from believing upon Christ as the only way to the Father. And so as Gentile believers, assuming there's no no Jews here that I know of ethnically, we are to be humble and grateful to what God has done, but also praying that, that these descendants, physical descendants of Abraham, would also repent and receive Christ as Messiah, even as Simeon did, and even many others like the disciples. So there's this message of salvation. There's this message of hope and deliverance and glory in the coming of Christ. But then the last part that Simeon reveals is more uh, maybe disturbing to us. And this must have been somewhat shocking as Mary and Joseph are coming into the temple. And and they're they're probably anticipating the wonderful things that, that Christ is going to do as the Messiah. But then for the first time in Luke's gospel, we have an indication that there will also be great suffering and great sorrow as a result of this child. And he says in uh, verse 34, after blessing them, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts will be Revealed, And you kind of wonder, like, what in the world is he talking about? That would be rather disturbing as new parents for this old man who you don't know, but seems to have a love for the Lord and, and uh, recognize the work of God in this child. And yet to say 
that there will be as though a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, and that as a result of this child, uh, there will be many that fall and rise, and many hearts and thoughts will be revealed. Seems to be a very unusual word for a Messiah. But we know that Christ came, yes, to bring peace, but not peace on earth in the sense that that our culture may, may want to pursue it, as though we all just kind of, you know, have our, our best life now and everything works out wonderfully and, and we just have this sort of utopia upon you. That's not the sort of peace that Jesus brings. He brings peace to those who will humble themselves and repent of their sin before a holy God and trust in Christ. They will experience a peace with God, but they will also experience an enmity with the world. In fact, in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said... Do not think that I have come to bring peace onto the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, because we are a people at enmity with God, that we have chosen sin and darkness rather than God. We have hewn out cisterns for ourselves that hold no water and and we look to them to nourish us and to to sustain us instead of coming to God, the, the, the fountain of living water. Because of that, when God himself comes to us in the person of Christ, the light of heaven, our natural reaction is to be repulsed by him, to to pull away from him, lest we be exposed by the light and shown to be guilty in light of his holiness. And so apart from God's enabling within us, there is hostility, there is anger, there is resentment at the coming of this Messiah. And this is why Jesus said his coming is not peace on earth in the sense that many may want to think of it, but actually could be described as a sword. And as one person believes upon Christ and surrenders their life to his lordship, that may set them at odds against a father or a mother. And the father or mother may feel as though their child has betrayed them, has forsaken their religion or their faith, and has turned their back on them. And we hear even today many who come to faith in Christ out of the Muslim faith or, or in the, the uh, communist China or these areas that have such a strong grip upon the life of their children. When they profess faith in Christ, they are removed from their families. Many times their lives are threatened. Jesus says, it must be so because I bring the truth. I bring light as the Messiah. And did Mary fully understand her own suffering as a mother who would maybe at times feel as though Jesus even maybe not betrayed her, but there's indication in the Gospels that they were sometimes frustrated with Jesus, that he seemed to, to disregard them 
And they wanted him to come and, 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 or talk to them. And he was busy with the crowds. And in Mark 3.33 or Matthew 12.48, we have times where, where, where Jesus would say things like, who are my mother and my brothers? Is those who, who do the will of God. And, and maybe that was somewhat offensive in Mary's own flesh. But then even for Mary as, um, as the mother of Jesus, to, to see her son be brutalized and tortured and executed would have been excruciating. I um, have talked to some who have lost a child and it, it can be described even as Simeon is describing it as a sword that pierces through your own soul. One of those things that, that I think every parent would, would dread that they experience and yet I know some have. And, and I think Simeon is pointing to Mary to the fact that she will experience even in the sense of losing her son for a time, this pain and suffering that has also come, that comes with this calling that God has put upon her. And as Christians, Jesus says, we must be willing to also take up our cross. There's this call to die to self. There's a call to suffer with Christ. And this comes in many forms. Sometimes it's just in the battling of our own sinful tendencies and, 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 and the, the battle of, of continually having to put to death those desires and, and the old tendencies of our minds or coming face to face with our pride at times or our anger or our indifference. And, and that can be uh, extremely frustrating as a believer to be at war within yourself. And there's this call to, to bear the cross, to daily put to death through the word, through the gospel, those old tendencies. Maybe you do experience hostility with family or loved ones or coworkers because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you believe the Bible is God's word that puts you at enmity with those around you. You find yourself in a culture where you don't really fit. You, you, the, the jokes that they laugh at, the, the things that they watch, the things that they listen to, you, you know you can't partake in that, that, that it is no longer appealing to you. And there's a sense of cross-bearing. Even as we look to a new year and all the things that we could pursue, uh, there's times as Christians where, where we, we stop, even on this Lord's Day. Could be working, trying to make more money, trying to do this or that, and yet we choose to, to as we're able, to stop and to come to the Lord's house to worship Him. We, we give of resources for the advancing of his kingdom. All of this is an expression of what it means to bear the cross for the sake of Christ. Jesus' life would be marked by suffering. In fact, he was described by Isaiah as the suffering servant. And Simeon points to this reality even at the early stages of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we rejoice in the beautiful truth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And that by his dying and his rising, that he has opened a way for us to be saved, to be delivered from the bondage of sin, that we might join in this hope of one day there being a new heavens, a new earth, 
and new bodies and dwelling where God dwells. So in a sense, we are like Simeon who is still waiting, anticipating the consolation of Israel. We too are anticipating the consolation of spiritual Israel. The, the, this, remember, Paul said the true Jew is the one not only outwardly, but inwardly, not an outward circumcision, but one of the heart. And so the true Israel, the true Israelite, is the one who, like Simeon, exercises faith, trusts the word of God, has been born of the Spirit, and is longing to see the fullness of God's kingdom. And as we look forward to a new year, uh, we certainly don't know the future. We're not promised this will be the year that Christ returns, though I'm sure there's somebody out there already making predictions that 2023 will be the year that Jesus returns. No, we don't know that. God has not revealed that to us as he did to Simeon. We don't know if the new year will bring much sorrow in our life or much joy or will there be a mingling of sorrow and joy. We're not told these things. But let us resolve like Simeon to press on, to be faithful, to to wait eagerly and to rejoice in Christ, to behold him through his word and to be strengthened by his spirit that we would press on in the faith And like Simeon, and even we didn't have time to look at Anna, but to see that wonderful example of in their joy of beholding the Messiah, sharing about him with all those around them. And so that may that be our response as well, not only to behold Christ this new year, but also to eagerly share him with those whom God has put in our path. And let's close there in prayer this morning. And uh, I'll just voice a prayer if you will bow with me, please. Father, we come to you and thank you for this wonderful witness of Simeon. And Lord, just seeing your mercy in his life, or even in his old age, still a man full of faith, um, trusting in your promise. And Lord, the the wonderful fulfillment of that, uh, Lord, as he is there in the temple, and Mary and Joseph and the the baby Jesus come in, Lord, that you... uh, Fill this man with such joy that we are still hearing, um, Lord, his, his praise, uh, even through the, the scriptures this morning. And so I pray that you would help us to have um, just an increased awareness and knowledge of Christ through your word. You keep us from chasing after um, empty myths or visions, Lord, that we would just rejoice in the sufficiency of what you've given and that your spirit would Open our understanding as we read, as we study, as we learn of the life of Christ and the apostles' teaching, that you would open uh, our minds to that and increase our love, that we would also share of your Messiah with those around us. And even for um, Lord ethnic Israel, we, we pray that there would be repentance, that there would be a turning to Christ and that you would give missionaries great boldness and believers, and even there, that they would point to Jesus, knowing it still produces great hostility uh, among the Jews. But we pray that, that there would be many who believe upon Christ, even this new year. Guide us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon preached at Redeeming Grace Bible Church. If you'd like to find out more about Redeeming Grace Bible Church 
or find other sermons and resources, please visit us online at www.redeeminggracechurch.ca. We pray that the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.